How did the American right wing destroy the United States of America? There is not one answer. And I've talked about parts of this before. If you go back to my interview with Noam Chomsky, we actually discuss a bunch of this story. But there are some additional layers I want to add. We have a lot of new viewers who haven't heard me talk about this before, and particularly because next we're going to talk about Project 2025 and Agenda 47, much requested by dozens of you. I finally had time to look at it, and we're going to discuss it. In order to set us up to discuss Project 2025, we have to talk about how we got to where we are. And by how we got to where we are, what I'm talking about is a level of extremism, pride in ignorance, reactionary authoritarian populism. And yes, MAGA Trumpism is certainly a part of that, but MAGA Trumpism didn't just arise out of nowhere. And this is the important sort of trajectory to understand. So the story I've told you before includes probably a starting point around the civil rights era. Now, we could even go back before this, but, you know, when they talk, when the right talks about going back to the way things used to be, generally speaking, they're talking about the early to mid 1950s before the start of the civil rights era in 58, 59. The first step in all of this and how are we going to get to Trump from this? Well, we will. The first step in all of this was the rise of the civil rights era in the late 50s into the early to mid 60s and the Civil Rights Act of 1964, starting to generate this idea that the non-white population is getting better treatment. Now, that's not new, that they're using it now, but that is not new, and that goes all the way back to the civil rights era. That and uh, antipathy about so-called welfare queens and lazy immigrants just hand, handing out living off of the government dole got us to Reagan. Reagan used many of those stories in campaigning. The welfare queen with the Cadillac who was popping out kids to get rich. That story, that woman, by the way, didn't exist, not specifically anyway. Those civil rights antipathies led to Reagan and Reagan's rise and a significant sort of stupidization of the American right wing that eventually got us to Bill Clinton's defeat of George H.W. Bush in 1992. And this brought out yet another rise. How is this southern white governor, Bill Clinton, going to do us so wrong, even though in retrospect, many of the things that Bill Clinton did were certainly relatively moderate by modern standards, certainly no progressive by 2023 standards. The reaction to Clinton in 92 led to a major victory for Republicans in the House of Representatives in 1994 and Newt Gingrich, sort of the first Bush sort of modern style right wing Republican really coming to power. Newt Gingrich became Speaker of the House. And at that point, we saw a true, you know, they love to talk about the weaponization of government against people you disagree with. Newt Gingrich's 1994 House of Representatives is probably the first really good example of a Republican Party or any major party happened to be Republican Party determined, determined to weaponize every tool they have 
against someone they don't like. In that particular case, it was Bill Clinton. This led to investigations into Bill Clinton, uh, uh, digging into Bill Clinton's personal life even more than we saw during the 1992 campaign, and on and on and on. A sort of Clinton derangement syndrome. Then we get to George W. Bush. George W. Bush was notable in this entire sort of breaking of the American culture by the right wing because George W. Bush was the first time in the modern political era. I'm trying to be careful and precise with my words. George W. Bush was the, hey, you don't like to read. You don't like to think. Don't worry about it. These left wingers are crazy. College is indoctrination. Come with me. I'm sort of dim and you might be sort of dim on purpose. And we're all going to be great and dim together because anything else is just far left stuff. And so that opened the door to then seeing Sarah Palin as the really doofy running mate of John McCain in 2008. So the Republican Party continued to move in this direction of thinking is bad, um, uh, being articulate and nuanced and thoughtful, intellectual, God forbid. That's all bad. Now, it didn't work for them. Sarah Palin was a disastrous vice presidential running mate for John McCain. Barack Obama won. And this now unleashed the next level, which was wild and crazy, unabashed racism. Obama becoming president didn't create racism, but it started to go in the direction of, hey, the president is now black, half black, but remember, societally seen as black. And so now we really got to do something about this problem. The dim-witted nature of the George W. Bush follower was then weaponized and targeted uh, by Barack Obama being a black man in society. All of that then got us to a situation where Trump, who was going to welcome and embrace this sort of extremist xenophobic thinking and saying, hey, you can say this stuff out in public. We've been silenced for too long. That's how all of that path ultimately got us to Trump. And so to understand Trump, you do have to go all the way back to the civil rights era of the late 1950s. Now, I've told that story before, but that's not all there is to it. We have to add layers that overlap with the political changes that I just discussed. And this is, this is of critical importance to understand, particularly as we think about 2024, 2025. The judiciary becoming more and more extreme and the Supreme Court becoming a tool of the right, ceding power to corporations and pushing right wing social agenda, culminating in the elimination or rollback of Roe v. Wade recently. That is another arc, another layer we have to place on top of this stupidization of the United States of America. Campaign finance can't be ignored. Super PACs and dark money and uh, effectively unlimited spending on campaigns through those organizations, a boon for the right who has billionaires cynically supporting whoever will ultimately just be better for their personal financial interests. The, per the, the, the campaign finance layer has to be added on top of it. To some degree, we have to say also an economy based on preferring cheap stuff from China and off offshoring supply chains to paying more for things manufactured domestically. That's another layer to this that we have to include, where now Trump and others say, oh, we're going to bring manufacturing back. Well, are you? Because as a country, we've made decision after decision that says we prefer the cheap stuff from China 
uh, but keep the wages lower here in the United States. And then you have, of course, the cultural stuff. The cultural stuff includes gun culture in the United States, seeing much of the rest of the world as sissies or people that whose opinions we don't care about, an American culture that is far less social than cultures in, at minimum, Europe and Latin America, if not other parts of the world, an isolation that happens at the individual level because of how we live, and then dump onto that the massive dump of social media becoming ubiquitous in the early 2010s, and then combine it with a failing education system that's not teaching crit critical thinking, that's leading to people who fall for obvious fake news and obvious conspiracies and propaganda. So that's like 20 different things. The point I want to make to you, number one, is that when it took this long and so many factors to get us into this mess in the first place, it's not realistic to think that we're going to get out of it quickly. And number two, it should remind us that when we look at Agenda 47 and Project 2025, we shouldn't write it off as an impossibility because look at how degraded things have become in the last four, 14, and 40 years. It can get much worse, and that's what we're going to talk about next. There's a very good article about the plan to make Trump dictator that is in Salon, written by our friend Chauncey DeVega. I encourage you to take a look at the article. What I want to impress upon you right now is that the right has a much more specific and actionable plan if Trump is elected to make him a de facto dictator than you might know, than you might believe. Chauncey argues in his article that Donald Trump right now in 2023 is effectively a dictator in waiting. He has already started to threaten to put his enemies in prison and to do even worse things to them. He's talking, talking about killing them. Chauncey's article talks about Trump's violent and dangerous behavior, his interview with Glenn Beck, where he says, I would imprison my enemies. Yeah, I'm going to have no choice. Listen, they're doing it to us. We're going to have to do it to them. Of course, there's no evidence that Joe Biden is doing anything when it comes to Trump's criminal charges. Um, Donald Trump has talked about the infrastructure that his advisors are creating in which he would implement Agenda 47 and Projects 2025, and this would make Trump a neo-fascist dictator in the United States. I am rarely hyperbolic on this program. When people call in and say, David, I'm so worried about this or that. Is this a problem? I like to say, Let, let's not jump to the apocalyptic scenario yet. But what Chauncey DeVega's article in Salon reminds us is that none of this is speculation. All of this stuff is in writing and corporate media is not doing a good enough job of acknowledging the violent threats. And by violent, I don't always mean physically violent. I mean ideologically violent to our democracy, to our systems that we have. And what Chauncey DeVega urges people, urges people to do is to resist that first and foremost by ensuring that Donald Trump or DeSantis or whoever are not elected in 2024. Now let's talk about Agenda 47 and Project 2025. So many of you wrote to me about this over the last week. First, Agenda 47. Agenda 47, Trump would be the 47th president. That's the, the whole gist of the number. Agenda 47 is basically the harebrained and uh, dangerous policy proposals that we've heard from Trump sort of over the last year, nine to 12 months or so. And this includes things like, we'll take all the homeless people from cities, force them out into some camp 
If it's in California, it would be in the desert. If it's, I don't know, in the South, it would be in some rural area. This is Trump's idea. We're going to force homeless people into camps, get them out of cities where they are reducing property values. We've talked about why it's crazy and it doesn't work. It wouldn't work. Uh, Agenda 47 calls for the death penalty for human traffickers and drug dealers. Trump has talked about that before. And that is another aspect of this. Ending birthright citizenship. You no longer are automatically a citizen if you were born in the United States under this Agenda 47 if you were born to undocumented parents, saying it rewards undocumented immigration. The Agenda 47 would also issue pardons and even a government apology, depending on which version of Trump's speech you look at, to many of the January 6th rioters, which is as crazy an idea as you can imagine. It would require police departments to start doing stop and frisk if they still want to continue receiving certain types of funding. And we've talked about the disaster that is stop and frisk. So that's Agenda 47, and that's bad enough. But then we get to Project 2025. Project 2025 is bigger than Trump, but Project 2025 views Trump as the tool through which it will get itself implemented. The Heritage Foundation played a role in Project 2025. That's a right-wing think tank. It has ties to fossil fuel billionaire Charles Koch. What Project 2025 does is give a set of recommendations. It gives a personnel database and uh, training opportunities, and maybe most importantly, Project 2025 has this 180-day playbook for the incoming president in 2025. Remember, November 24 election, inaugurated January 2025. What happens in those first 180 days or six months? And it is absolutely and completely crazy. Uh, The point of Project 2025 is to, quote, dismantle the administrative state. This is a phrase Steve Bannon and others use. Many right-wingers repeat it without even really knowing what it means. The idea is, of course, undo the policies of the Biden administration and what they call the radical left, the radical left that has very little power in the United States. But it does it by decimating or even eliminating many elements of government. Project 2025 would eliminate a whole bunch of the Department of Energy. That is a department, and those are offices that would be critical if we are going to ever transition off of fossil fuels. Why would a Coke-funded organization or plan want to do that? Well, I wonder. It's cynical personal financial interests. It would cut renewable energy deployment. Uh, It would also push for ending uh, birthright citizenship for U.S.-born people in the U.S. with undocumented parents. It would also issue pardons to many of the rioters. It would also require uh, police departments to implement stop and frisk. Much of what is in, some of what is in Project 2025 violates international law. Project 2025 is also completely unrealistic. So as usual, it is one of these ways of getting people interested through promises that, of course, are never going to be made a reality. So what is the point of telling you all of this? The point is that these are the stakes. They're being clear. We don't have to, you know, the right loves to say, the left won't tell you, but their real goal is to implement some kind of Marxism and to take over this and that and propagandize in this way. And you say, well, where is the evidence of that? And they say, well, you've got to read between the lines. With Project 2025 and Agenda 47, you don't need to read between the lines. If they win in 2024, particularly if Trump wins in 2024, this is what they are going to try to do. 
Much of it is totally unrealistic. Some of it they might actually be able to accomplish. A theocratic dictatorship based on their view of Christianity is the end goal. It's been clear for years. A shocking number of Americans are fine with it, want it, or are indifferent to it. And if it means that they get more power, they throw the Constitution in the trash. We almost saw them do it in January of 2021 on January 6th. So we know that they will try. It's up to us to make sure that they don't. We'll be here throughout the entire process. I hope you're signed up on YouTube. We're going to take a quick break and then continue with the day's news. Nothing transforms the inside of your home like indoor plants and not just for decor. It can be a great mood booster. Our sponsor unsolicited plant talks UPT is the perfect place to go. They ship indoor plants right to your door. UPT supplies rare top quality house plants and provides unparalleled customer service. You will be overjoyed with your experience. UPT's dedication to delivering plants in vibrant health is a badge of honor that they proudly wear and their cutting edge packaging ensures that your botanical companion arrives safe and sound. UPT sent me an amazing Hoya marginata and also a Hoya Wallinana. They look beautiful in the house. I love them. And with sustainability as one of UPT's core values, their potting mediums are made from renewable materials. With every purchase, you're contributing to their charitable tree planting and their ocean cleanup initiatives. UPT is a family and friend operated business in Southern California with a passion for plants. They add a personal touch. It's in everything they do. Handpicking the plants, seamless shopping experience, seamless shipping experience. Go to unsolicitedplanttalks.com and use the code PACMAN at checkout for 15% off. That's unsolicitedplanttalks.com. Get 15% off using code PACMAN. The info is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you Nerd Wallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. One of our sponsors today is Magic Spoon, the breakfast cereal with the crunchy sweet goodness you love, but with high quality ingredients, less sugar and more protein. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar. It's packed with 13 to 14 grams of protein and just four to five net carbs. So it's great if you're doing keto or low carb or if just like me, you're trying to limit your sugar intake. They have many unique flavors, so you'll never get bored. My personal favorite is maple waffle, but I grew up in New England, so maybe that's why maple, you know, they also have cocoa, fruity, frosted peanut butter, blueberry muffin, honey nut cookies and cream cinnamon roll. Sometimes there's really just no substitute for sitting down with a nice bowl of cereal. Who doesn't love that? When the mood strikes, go for something more wholesome 
with plenty of protein and without all the sugar. If you don't love Magic Spoon as much as I do and our team does, Magic Spoon will refund all of your money, no questions asked. Simply go to magicspoon.com slash Pacman. You can create a custom bundle and use the code Pacman for five dollars off. You can just tap the link in the podcast notes. The new crisis impacting Joe Biden is new polling that shows most Democrats want someone other than Biden to be the nominee for 2024, decreased approval ratings for Joe Biden and concerns about his age. I weirdly saw a bunch of comments saying, oh, David, you won't cover this. You're too afraid. Again, it's so boring to hear that. When have I ever been afraid to cover anything? When have I been afraid to criticize? This isn't even a criticism. It's just here's polling data about Democrats. I'm not even a Democrat. I don't care about the Democratic Party. I care about electing the best possible person to inspire and make positive change in the country. So on that note, there is new polling that is not good. It is not good for Joe Biden. Here is some of the panicked coverage from CNN. Take a look at this. Our tough numbers. It is a snapshot of this moment 14 months out, but it shows the work ahead that President Biden and his team have if he's to be successful every election. You mentioned the approval rating at 39%. John, I just want to put that in a little bit of context of where that stacks up against his modern era predecessors. I just want you to see here. He Biden is hanging down here with Trump and Carter. Well, guess what? Trump and Carter, they didn't win their uh, attempts at re-election. So that is a danger zone there for the president. Uh, you noted the economy piece. I mean, look at the sour mood of Americans. Only 30% of Americans in our poll say things are going well in the country. Seven in 10 say they're going badly. And then specifically discussing the aspect of the poll that dealt with Joe Biden's age. Let's look at that mentioned it at the top. It is the age factor. I mean, we see 49% of Democrats, we asked an open-ended question, what concerns you about Joe Biden and his candidacy? Age, number one, okay? Then we asked more broadly to the American people overall in this poll, are you seriously concerned that Biden's age could negatively impact his ability to serve another full term? Three quarters of Americans are seriously concerned about that. When when have you seen three quarters of Americans agree on anything? This is a real problem for the president. Uh, Current mental and physical competence. 73% of Americans say seriously concerned that his age has a negative impact on that and that his age has a negative impact on his understanding of the next generation's concerns. Nearly seven in 10 Americans say that. So the first question anytime there is a story based on polling has to be, Is this one poll or what does the polling in general say? And when you look at the polling big picture, it is not great for Joe Biden, but it's also not a disaster for Joe Biden. Let's take a look at this sort of piece by piece. The latest morning consult poll on Biden versus DeSantis has Biden up five and on Biden versus Trump has Biden up three. He should be up 40 if the country made sense. If we had a sane country, then Biden would be up 40. We don't. And it's always sort of close. And it always comes down to a handful of swing states. But given all of those kind of caveats, it's not really that bad for Joe Biden on average. Obviously, you can find individual polls that are not good for Joe Biden, and they shouldn't be ignored to the extent that they're reliable. A bunch of polls have them even. Now, we have to then talk about the entire age thing. The Biden is too old to be president thing 
is interesting because, first of all, you could prefer a younger president, but still recognize that if Biden's the nominee, he's better than Trump or DeSantis and you're still going to vote for him. And a lot of it is in the devil of, of the details of how these polls are worded. Additionally, many of the people that think Biden is too old to be president also think that Donald Trump is too old to be president. So it might be, well, listen, uh, 76% think Biden's too old and 68% think Trump is too old. And so what matters is that gap. And there might be people who think Biden's too old and Trump isn't, but they still prefer Biden to Trump. And so at this early stage, you should be vigilant about polling. We don't ignore polling. I don't do this thing where it's like, well, polling doesn't matter if it's not good and then it doesn't. It's the polls give us an idea of what's going on, but we have to contextualize it with it's the first week of September. Many people still aren't paying attention. Now, let's get to a couple of the reactions that I'm seeing from Democrats. I saw this on our subreddit. Uh, I saw discussions on our uh, Discord about this and in the comments on YouTube, et cetera. There's basically two uh, ends of the spectrum in terms of how people are reacting to this polling news about Joe Biden. One side is red alert, get Biden the hell out of there, come up with some excuse, simply have Joe Biden say, hey, you know what? My goal when I ran in 2020 was to get Trump out, to rescue the country, to save democracy, get us out of covid, whatever. I did it. I did it. And now it is time for the next generation of Democrats to decide the path forward. So I am going to be stepping aside and putting my full effort into ensuring that whoever is the Democratic nominee will defeat whoever is the Republican nominee. He could do that. And obviously, there are people who would see Biden do that and say, oh, disaster. He, he just can't do it. This is an excuse, whatever. But isn't it what you want? If you're saying Biden can't handle it, wouldn't you want Biden to step aside and have the Democratic primary that you say uh, you, you want us to have. We still could have a Democratic primary. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running. Marianne Williamson is running. If Biden stepped aside, I'd be interested in seeing Gavin Newsom get in there. We would have a primary and Democratic voters would get to pick. They would get what some of them want. That's one perspective. Now let's look at the complete other side, the other perspective. This entire panic is an overblown overreaction. It's early. Rachel Biddecoffer told us most people aren't even paying attention yet. Just like Trump having 55% of the Republican vote is based only on the people already paying attention, 67% of Democrats wanting an alternative to Joe Biden. It's too early. Plus, most of that 67% that wants an alternative is still going to vote for Joe Biden if he is indeed the nominee. It would be a very bad idea to make some kind of panic decision right now. It's too early. We need to wait. The question with the wait is, if you wait, does it become too late? And that is the concern among some. My view on this at this point in time is that at an individual personal level, I would prefer that there be a younger candidate. That is my preference in a vacuum. I would prefer that it be someone to Joe Biden's left. I have all sorts of personal preferences. And also, it is not a decision that requires more than a split second of thought. If it's Biden versus Trump, I'm voting Biden. If Biden dies or can't do it, there will be a vice president that will be better than Trump to replace Joe Biden. If it's Biden DeSantis, exact same thing. These aren't tough decisions. So what's important for us, remember, we follow this stuff much more closely than the average voter by, by virtue of the fact that you're listening to this show, watching right now. Uh, our instincts 
may be differently calibrated than those of the average voter. And I would not read more than we need to into the polling, but I also would not ignore it and pretend there's nothing going on because obviously something is going on and there is a desire for change. Speaking of desire for change, Fox News welcomed a lunatic Republican to push the overtly racist great replacement or white replacement theory. And everybody's just happy with it. Uh, This is a video clip of New Jersey Congressman Jeff Van Drew. He went on Fox News yesterday. He pushes this great replacement stuff while he was a guest. The great replacement, of course, has been linked to multiple mass shootings, including the El Paso shooting at a Walmart in uh, El Paso, Texas, the racially motivated shooting in Buffalo, New York. The entire great replacement or white replacement thing, which I'll explain in a moment, is dangerous Let's take a look at what Van Drew had to say. And again, the context is, why would Democrats just let people in answer to change the makeup of this country? But it's, rep- it's so obvious. Uh, literally, an elementary school child could understand So why that. are they in doing it? Why, why are they leaving the border open? I mean, you were a Democrat. Explain to those of us with common sense, how come, why are they allowing this to happen? It's purposeful. It's destructive and it's corrupt. It is to change the social structure of the United States of America. It's literally self-destructive. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, That's why we need an impeachment inquiry. It's just another reason. You you don't want to do the impeachment yet. At least do the impeachment inquiry because in my committee, we would allow us to go forward and to have more powers for subpoena to allow us to have more powers to investigate. Okay, so this is a version of great replacement theory or white replacement theory. Let in brown people illegally to change the structure by making the country less white in order to in order to what? That's the question, right? Well, let's discuss it. The great replacement theory is a far right conspiracy theory. And what it says is that there's an organized plot, often it's the elites, far left elites, who want to replace the white population of Western countries like the United States and Canada with non-white immigrants. Bring in tons of non-white immigrants, as many as you can, and put white people, maybe even in the minority, lead to the extinction, the marginalization of white culture and identity. And proponents of this raise concerns that white birth rates are too low and we're soon going to be in the minority and it's all a huge risk. Now, I am not going to interpret the demographic data because that's not really the the point of this. The point of this is why is it that they think the left would want to do this or whatever. Much of this is to justify anti-immigrant policies. They come up with this great replacement theory to then say, in order to protect ourselves, we need to stop the immigration, period. And unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, this has also been linked to a bunch of acts of violence. Now, this gets us to the really big question, which is, what is the goal? What is the goal? Even if there was a concerted effort to bring in as many brown and black people to the United States as possible, to, to comparatively diminish the percentage of white people, why would the left want to do that? There are many explanations. Sometimes the explanations conflict with each other, depending on who you ask. Some of the people that push this say the left, the globalists, the elites, whoever, they want to encourage immigration 
to dilute the cultural influence and the electoral influence of the native population, which will make it easier to exert control. The idea being the left will better be able to brainwash, manipulate and control brown and black immigrants than they would be white natives. So that's why they want to do it. Pretty damn far fetched, especially given the rate of immigration being so small relative to the population of the United States, it would be a very slow way to try to really take that control. There'd be much better ways. The other idea is that bringing in as much uh, immigration as possible provides cheap labor and the leftist big business elites and corporations, they want to bring in cheaper labor at the expense of native workers. The crazy thing about that is that's more of a right wing idea in the context of great replacement. They love to say that's why the left is interested in this. But the idea of let's figure out a way to pay less, 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 even less than the minimum wage, get rid of the minimum wage. That's a right wing idea, not a left wing idea. So it doesn't really make sense. And then you have sort of generally like, oh, the left is social engineering. They want to create a multicultural society for ideological reasons. Multicultural societies are more likely to go along with abortion or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is that, that they claim that uh, they, they want to put in place. And then lastly, there are those who see Great Replacement sort of as a way to diminish Christianity. Uh, oh, Great Replacement is to uh, hurt Christianity and, and, and foment Islam or something like that. That is refuted very easily by the fact that most of the people that come to the U.S. from Central and South America, which is the vast majority of what they're talking about, are Catholic. They come, come from majorly Catholic countries, and Muslims still make up only about 1% of the population. They'll tell you, oh, they're bringing Muslims across the U.S.-Mexico border. It may happen anecdotally. It is not happening to the degree that we have evidence in any significant way. So that's great replacement. Think about how extreme it is that a sitting member of the House goes on Fox News to push this, and everybody reacts like it's no big deal. That's where we are in 2023. Think of your most personal emails. If you're using a free email provider, you should know that they're scanning every email you send and receive even after you delete it. They're usually using the data to build a picture of your life to show you ads, which many find creepy. Our sponsor Startmail never scans or tracks your emails. Privacy is what comes first. And unlike other email services, when you delete an email in Startmail, it is gone forever. It also protects your data by blocking tracking pixels in emails, which companies and hackers can use to track you. You can create unlimited email aliases to protect your identity and cut down on spam. You can encrypt every email you send, even if the recipient isn't using encryption. Startmail gives you 20 gigs of storage. That's more than you get on Gmail. And it only takes a few clicks to migrate all of your emails and contacts over to Startmail. Go to startmail.com slash Pacman to get 50% off your first year. That's only about two bucks a month. That's S T A R T mail.com slash Pacman for 50% off. The link is in the podcast notes. Fox and Friends interviewed some so-called swing voters to get their opinions about issues. And it was, of course, a total disaster. Now, at some core level, every time that they try to interview swing voters, there's a bit of an enlightened centrism 
framing, which is these are people that are above the partisan fray. I talked about this extensively during my interview with Lex Friedman, the idea being that if you're a swing voter or a centrist or an independent or undecided, you're somehow not only morally superior because you've been able to extract yourself from the partisan fray of infighting, but you're also smarter in some way. It's all nonsense. And by the way, you'll see it evidenced in the clips we're about to look at. So here's the Fox and Friends panel of swing Republican voters, swing state Republican voters. And um, here is one talking about how Biden can't possibly be popular because you don't see stickers and flags and hats and mugs and T-shirts and, you know, lawn signs or whatever. I've talked about this extensively. I have a lot to say about it. Let's look at the clip first. That ad was so boring. I almost fell asleep while watching it. Um, It doesn't resonate with people. I can tell you out here in this swing state, I don't see any Biden stickers. I don't see any Biden flags. I don't see anyone wearing a Biden T-shirt. Biden is boring. Um, And I I cannot, I, I don't even understand how people can get off the couch and vote for him. This is an absolute classic that exposes how different left and right wing voters are and the cultish nature of the right. The right loves to say Trump has said it. Marjorie Taylor Greene has said it. Random voters have said it. The way they frame it is as follows. Obviously, no one likes Joe Biden. And obviously, the election must have been stolen because you drive around and you see Trump boats and Trump flags and Trump hats and Trump crosses and Trump knives and Trump stickers. And you just don't see people doing the same thing with Joe Biden. Obviously, no one's voting for Joe Biden. Therefore, obviously, he couldn't have won as evidenced by the knickknacks and tchotchkes that you see around. This is the fundamental difference with people on the left. I voted for Joe Biden. I was strong in my support of Biden over Trump, aside from whether I loved Biden as a candidate, which all of you know I didn't. It was of critical importance to me. Trump must not win reelection. I will be there to vote for Joe Biden. But number one, I'm not enthralled with Biden as an individual, nor was I enthralled with Obama or whoever. I see these as individuals that are available to me to vote for if I believe they'll do something good. And so I take it seriously and I damn well make sure that I'm there to vote. But then it's not interesting to me to make these pseudo deities. I don't I've never had a bumper sticker for a candidate or a hat or a T-shirt or a flag. I don't care about going to rallies and dealing with the sani cans and the stupid fried dough. And okay, the point is, I am just as clear in my support for Biden as some of these people are for Trump except I don't see Biden as the cult leader of any particular movement or a pseudo deity or someone that I need to go out and see. I vote and then I move on with my day and my life. And that's the way most Democratic voters see this. The Trumpists can't understand that because for them, especially the ones that didn't even follow politics until Trump uh, entered the fray, for them it's no, you've got to dress in the full regalia and you've got to go to the events and you've got to do all this different stuff. So how could Biden possibly have won if there are no Biden flags? It's because we're not in a cult. That's how. All right, let's look at one more clip with these swing state Republican voters 
Um, here's a guy who says Biden went far left when he was elected. Take a listen. Just, you know, I think I think a lot of people um, voted for Biden. These are the people that I said have buyer's remorse. They voted for Biden because during the campaign he promised to be a moderate and he promised to return moderation to the White House. And as soon as he was elected, he lurched far to the left and created problems that didn't even exist. I, I keep thinking about our border as one. His energy policies are going to drive uh, our our independence uh, in energy into the ground. And I think a lot of people are, are really afraid of, of what could come next in a uh, second Biden term. And I think for that reason, uh, a lot of them are going to turn away from him. Well, OK, so this is a funny talking point. Biden went way left. Biden went way left on border. Biden went went way left on energy. Ask these people. What exactly did Biden change on policy at the border? Well, now they're just letting people in. The border is open. Oh, no, it's not. There's no evidence of that. In fact, the changes at the border have been quite modest, very, very minimal changes at the border. Oh, well, what about energy? He destroyed energy independence. Actually, the numbers on oil imports and exports, which is what Trump refers to when he talks about energy independence, the numbers on oil imports and exports are comparatively very similar now under Biden to what they were under Trump. Oh, well, no, I mean, trust, trust me, he did it. They don't know what they're talking about. They get these talking points, maybe from Trump at a rally, maybe from Fox News, who knows? They don't have any idea what they're about. If you prod even one layer in, it will crumble like pouring water on cotton candy and it just disappears. It looks like there's this fluffy cotton candy there. You pour water on it, it's gone. That's the ideas of these people. That's the brains of many of these people. Let's talk about the latest lawsuit. There is another lawsuit seeking to disqualify Donald Trump on a constitutional basis from being on the 2024 presidential ballot. This lawsuit is in Colorado. Now, the context here, as we've talked about, is that putting aside criminal trials, there is increasingly an argument being made. Trump can't run. Trump's disqualified. Trump incited an insurrection and Trump provided aid and comfort to those participating in an insurrection on and around January 6th. He is disqualified from being able to hold public office. There's a lawsuit out of South Florida that is taking that argument to court. New Hampshire is now exploring removing Donald Trump from the ballot. And now Colorado becomes the third, second state, third legal front that is exploring the exact same thing. Uh, in Colorado, a lawsuit has been filed by six Republican and unaffiliated Colorado vote voters. These include local officials. And the argument that they are making is the same one that we've been talking about. Section three of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution has been violated by Donald Trump. He took an oath to support the Constitution. He engaged in insurrection or rebellion. He provided aid and comfort to those participating in insurrection or rebellion, and he simply cannot run. He cannot hold public office. Now, of course, of course, I agree. He did. He did that, and he should be ineligible to run. There is a practical question here, and the practical question is, this is done state by state. Trump maybe would win New Hampshire, maybe he wouldn't. But New Hampshire is very unlikely to be the difference making state. You can draw up a scenario where New Hampshire is the difference maker that gets one or the other candidate over 270 electoral. Very unlikely. So sure, New Hampshire might say Trump's not allowed on the ballot, but it's not ultimately going to decide the presidency. Similarly, 
Colorado. Colorado is a blue state. They're not going to vote for Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy. They are in all likelihood going to vote for Joe Biden to be president, if that is indeed who is representing the Democrats on the ballot. So Colorado can now go through this and say Trump's not going to be allowed. But those electoral votes were already in the imaginary bank of electoral votes for Joe Biden. So the question becomes, will Florida do it? Will Ohio do it? What about a state like Texas, Georgia, Arizona? If they don't, you could have 25 states decide Trump's disqualified and he's not allowed on the ballot, and it makes literally no difference to the number of electoral votes Trump ends up with. So we're going to have to follow this. Colorado's going blue anyway. New Hampshire unlikely to make a difference. But the important thing here is the allegation is completely accurate, and there we are very close to elections. We all must vote. We have to do everything we can to shut all of this down simply by defeating Trump. If we get the benefit of criminal trials that make it impossible for him to run a campaign, we'll obviously take it. If we get the benefit of some state that might make a difference, saying Trump's disqualified on constitutional grounds, obviously we will take it. But we really need, I know, blue wave, blue wave, it's so cliche. 2018, 2020, and 2022 were not good for Republicans relative to what they could have been relative to what they were expected to be. We need to be absolutely certain. You're registered to vote. You know when the election is. You know where you're voting or you've requested an absentee ballot. You've talked to your friends. We can't leave it to chance. And so now usually it's, hey, my friends, no matter what the polls say, we, we plan to vote. Now it's, no matter what the polls say, no matter whether it looks like Trump will be in prison, no matter whether it looks like Trump will be disqualified constitutionally, put all of that aside. Make sure you're registered. Make sure you know Election Day, because we cannot leave this to chance. People in my audience trying to quit smoking or vaping, this is for you. You can't vape or smoke inside. You're tired of people seeing you put those little pouches in your lip. There is a nicotine alternative that people won't notice to help you quit. Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Our sponsor Zipix makes the only nicotine toothpick on the planet that is FDA registered. You can use it anywhere, work, restaurants, airplanes, sporting events after a meal. The toothpicks stay in a convenient little tube that goes in your pocket or on your keychain. It's way more convenient than carrying around a huge can of pouches all day or a whole bunch of gum or whatever the case may be. Zipix nicotine toothpicks come in flavors like peppermint watermelon, sweet wood, cinnamon, whiskey. If you're not a nicotine user, try out their B12 toothpicks with caffeine instead, a quick and easy alternative to coffee. Do your lungs a favor, cut the cigarette smoke, cut the vape juice. Quitting has never been easier with Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Go to zipix.com, get 10% off with the code PACMAN10 at checkout. That's zippix.com. Use code PACMAN10 for 10% off. The info is in the podcast notes. Donald Trump flipped out on right wing host Hugh Hewitt and told him, I'm not going to tell you what I did. And also, I can do whatever I want with those classified documents. This is, again, part of the bigger story of if Trump tries these arguments in court, it is not going to go well. 
Let's take a look at this. Here is Trump yesterday on the Hugh Hewitt show, and it is an absolute and total disaster. Take a look at this. Did you direct anyone to move the boxes, Mr. President? Did you tell anyone to move the boxes? I don't talk about anything. You know why? Because I'm allowed to do whatever I want. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm not telling you. You know, every time I talk to you, oh, I have a breaking story. You don't have any story. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do everything I did. If you have to go to trial, will you testify in your own defense? Oh, yes, absolutely. You'll take the stand. That I would that I look forward to, because that's just like Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all the fake information from Russia, Russia, Russia. Remember when the dossier came out and everyone said, oh, that's so terrible. That's so terrible. And then it turned out to be it was a political report put out by Hillary Clinton and the DNC. They paid millions for it. They gave it to Christopher Steele. They paid millions and millions of dollars for it. And it was all fake. No, I think that obstruction charge is going to get the trial, Mr. President. I I think that. Okay, if you do, and they ask you on on the stand, did you order anyone to move boxes? How will you answer? I'm not answering that question for you, but I'm totally covered under the law. Okay. You read the Presidential Records Act. Just read it. You take a look at it. I'm totally covered under the law. It's a civil act. It's civil. Now, Biden had no civil act. The things he did are criminal, but the, he doesn't have a deranged person on his case. You know, they gave me deranged Jack Smith. Did you tell someone to move the boxes with the classified documents? Trump says, I don't talk about anything. Sounds to me like the answer is yes. This comes under the Presidential Records Act. Incorrect. This is a criminal matter. Trump was no longer president at the time that he did many of the things for which he's been criminally charged. That is another example of if you try that in court, it's not going to go well. We're already seeing that in New York with some of the arguments being made in the Trump business fraud case where Letitia James is saying they're making non-legal arguments. We need to find Trump and Eric Trump and Don Jr. Trump says he will take the stand. <laughs> this one is this one is special. Trump's lawyers will do everything they can to prevent Donald Trump from taking the stand in his own defense. And I know that we all know Trump doesn't always listen to his lawyers and he has a mind of his own and he's going to do whatever the hell he wants. My prediction, if I were a betting man, is the only way Trump gets on that witness stand in any of these cases is if he is forced to do it by the court. I can't think of any other way that Trump gets up there. I don't deny that he might want to do it. I don't deny that he probably has every intention of the world uh, in the world of doing it. I don't see it happening unless he is absolutely forced to. Then we get to Trump's claims about the Steele dossier. You know, we haven't talked about the Steele dossier for a while. And even some of my left wing friends in the audience have emailed me and they're starting to believe some things that aren't really quite based in fact about the Steele dossier. So let's talk about that a little bit. The Steele dossier itself was so Trump Trump says it was a Hillary Clinton funded dossier that cost the DNC and Hillary millions of dollars. That's all basically untrue. The Steele dossier was funded by lawyers representing the Clinton campaign and the DNC at one point. That part is true. Initially, the research was done by a group called Fusion GPS. They were actually doing opposition research into Trump 
funded by a conservative website. Then it became clear Trump was going to be the nominee. The conservative website says, well, this is the guy we've got to get behind. Maybe we don't need to keep doing the opposition research. Then it went over to those lawyers for the Clinton campaign and DNC. Then the claim is, well, they were paid millions and it was all completely fake. The exact amount that was paid for the Steele dossier is not really known. First of all, Money was paid for a whole bunch of different research. A fraction of it was for the Steele dossier. It's been reported that the law firm in question paid Fusion GPS $1 million in fees and expenses. Remember, a bunch of that is the legal fees themselves, and a bunch of that is for other research. So the number would be some fraction of $1 million, and the million covered a whole bunch of different stuff. You then look at Orbis Business Intelligence. Orbis Business Intelligence was Christopher Steele's firm. They were reportedly paid $168,000 for their work. And again, the $168,000 that they were paid, we don't know if that was solely for the dossier. We also don't know if that included expenses. And so the idea that there were millions of dollars changing hands and millions of dollars in profit for generating the Steele dossier is all absolutely false based on what we know right now. Then we get to the Steele dossier was all fake. There are basically three categories of information from the Steele dossier. Stuff that was confirmed true, stuff that was debunked, and stuff that's not been verified one way or the other. So there was a whole bunch of corroborated material from the Steele dossier. Meetings that were described in the dossier that have later been acknowledged, even sometimes under oath in criminal trials. The broad outlines and themes of how Russia generally wanted to impact the election, their preference for Trump, all of that stuff. A lot of that has been now confirmed by multiple sources. It's so uncontroversial that who would even deny that? And even the U.S. intelligence community has confirmed a bunch of that stuff. You then have unverified claims. So a lot of the more salacious stuff, the PP tape and et cetera, uh, remains unverified. Hard to debunk some of this stuff because how can you prove something didn't ever happen? It's very difficult to do, but there's no doubt that a lot of the uh, more salacious claims remain unverified. And then you have some disproven claims. I mean, one example is, uh, Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, I'm now forgetting the, the country, the Steele dossier said that Cohen had gone either to, I don't remember if it was Zurich or Vienna or someplace. Michael Cohen said to me multiple times on the show, I never went there, period. That is just wrong. That was in the Steele dossier. I don't know where they got it. It simply is untrue. The big thing here is Trump insisting that if he told people to move the boxes of classified documents that he's covered by the Presidential Records Act. He is not. That's a kryptonite legal defense. It's a poison pill. Call it whatever you want. I dare Trump to try that defense in court. My prediction, Trump doesn't try that defense in court. Trump does not testify unless he is forced to do it. Mike Huckabee is the former governor of Arkansas, and he says if Trump loses in 2024, the next election will be decided by bullets. Isn't that nice? He's pro-family and pro-life, by the way, just in case you were wondering. These people are truly dangerous, delusional, deranged, and diabolical. Let's take a look at this. Here is Mike Huckabee issuing a warning, a shot across the bow. 
Trump doesn't win 24 and we claim that it was stolen from him, then in 20 some future year, it will be decided by bullets. Take a look. Do you know how political opponents to those in power are dealt with in third world dictatorships, banana republics and communist regimes? Well, it's simple. The people in power use their police agencies to arrest their opponents for made up crimes in an attempt to discredit them, bankrupt them, imprison them, exile them, are all of the above. And if you're not paying attention, you may not realize that Joe Biden is using exactly those tactics to make sure that Donald Trump is not his opponent in 2024. Here's the problem. If these tactics end up working to keep Trump from winning or even running in 2024, it is going to be the last American election that will be decided by ballots rather than bullets. Mike Huckabee there. By the way, he's the father of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the current governor of Arkansas. So toxic, vile political views apparently are hereditary. Mike Huckabee mentions that Joe Biden is using this tactic or that tactic to prevent Donald Trump from being his opponent. There is still not a shred, not an iota, not a sliver, not a crumb of evidence that Joe Biden is doing anything with regard to any of Donald Trump's indictments or the movement to keep Donald Trump off of the ballot for constitutional reasons. If you come to me with tears in your eyes or with your eyes as dry as a bone with evidence that that is going on, that that happened, that Joe Biden's involved, that he's directing these criminal prosecutions in any way, even indirectly, I will evaluate it and present it to my audience if I find it credible. I have no interest in defending Joe Biden. I like that Joe Biden is completely uninvolved in what's going on with Trump. By the way, there is a funny contrast between Biden is so senile, he doesn't even know what's going on. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know who his wife is. And he is secretly controlling and orchestrating as some kind of hidden puppet master behind the curtain for criminal trials against Trump and the potential disqualification of Trump on constitutional grounds. That's quite a senile invalid to be doing all of those things. You've got to get your conspiracy theory right. Um, the law and order party, right? And so what I want to remind you, Huckabee says, if Trump loses 24, that'll be it. And then it's going to be bullets. Trump lost the popular vote in 2016. His candidates, many of them lost in the 2018 midterms. Trump lost the popular vote and the electoral vote in 2020. His candidates didn't do well in the midterms in 2022. They lose all the time. And we're supposed to believe that if he simply also loses in 2024, there's something unfair about him losing again. That doesn't make any sense. And by the way, who are you going to go and shoot with the bullets, Mike Huckabee? They never say, oh, no, no, no. Just, if, we don't, if we don't win by votes, it might get decided by bullets. Oh, okay, all right. This is the sort of thing that causes this race to the bottom of gun ownership I've told you about, where many of my left-wing friends have gotten guns in the last few years, saying, I don't want only these right-wing lunatics to have the guns. As crazy as it is, I want to have some of the guns too, they've said to me. It's a race to the bottom, and Huckabee's dangerous. We have a voicemail number. That number is 219-2-DAVID-P. Here's a caller who says, even if Trump dies of natural causes, they will still 
call it something else. Take a listen. Hey, David, Adam from Boise. I was talking to my brother the other day, who is an avid Trump supporter. Um, And he seems to think that even if Trump died of natural causes, that they'll just call it a... uh, an assassination anyways. Yep. Um, so I think you're on the right point with this, the martyrism of Donald Trump would be beneficial to the Republicans. And um, I, I'd wager that if he just died of, you know, too many McDoubles, that, uh, that tuck, the Tuckers of this world would uh, gladly say that uh, Sleepy Joe Biden in between comas right uh, order to hit job you know absolutely I mean? absolutely even if trump dies of natural causes at any time soon they will say he was killed it was a conspiracy it was killery or it was obama or whatever um caller is absolutely correct we've got a great bonus show for you today we are going to talk about how those floating border barriers uh, in the river between the U.S. and Mexico that we talked about months ago, they must be removed per a federal judge. Why? We'll discuss. A Florida man has been arrested trying to cross the Atlantic Ocean in a hamster wheel vessel. It's bonker stuff. And we will talk about the likely forthcoming indictment, again, of Hunter Biden. Oh, no, I need to start defending Hunter Biden. No, I don't. I've always said he did something wrong, indict the guy. I see no connection to the Biden administration. Joe Biden's not getting involved in running interference. Indict the guy. It really makes no difference to me. All of those stories and more on the bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. I'll see you then. We'll be back here tomorrow for the Friday show.